What's up, everybody? Welcome to the At The Hive podcast, part of the SB Nation network of podcasts. Uh, we got some free agency stuff to talk about, but first, I'm joined by... I'm Jonathan, as always, and I'm, as always, I'm joined by Zach and Chase. Zach, how are you? I'm good. I hear we have 10,000 birds, or 10,000 the ravens yeah yeah uh shout out to everybody who follows us at the hive on twitter at at the hive on twitter uh we just went over ten thousand followers we got a k on our follower count it's pretty cool so thanks to everybody that follows us for helping us get there um we're also joined by chase chase how are you i'm all right man hanging in there wait <laughs> just watching the hornets make moves that they haven't made in Many, many, many years. <laughs> like ever. Um, <laughs> yeah. So the Hornets have done a few things in free agency. A couple people left and is back. One new face is on the way. We're going to talk about the new face first. Um, the Hornets signed Gordon Hayward to a four-year, $120 million contract on Saturday. It was the terms were agreed to on Saturday around like lunchtime, I think. It was like around noon, I think, right? Yeah, um, out of nowhere, I don't think anybody's expecting it, even though the Hornets were linked to have interest. Um, I know I personally just blew it off. I'm like, I mean, they're just, you know, kicking the tires. They're not going to actually do anything about that. But they signed him. So Gordon Hayward's here for the next four years. Uh, Nick Batum has been waived and stretched to create the space for him so the Hornets can sign him, sign him out, right? There might be some other things coming with that in a sign and trade. We'll talk about that later. But we're going to focus on Gordon Hayward as a Charlotte Hornet first and foremost. Um, you did say with, four years, $120 million, right? You did say that yeah, whole sentence. It's same okay. line. The $120 million is spaced across the whole four years. So it's only $30 million per calendar year. Um, you know, only $30 million. But, Zach, I'll let you, let you go first. Um, what do you think? Just initial reactions initial thoughts of the signing, whether it be on the court fit salary cap implication, anything, just all the thoughts you have about Gordon Hayward signing. And see, it's a nuanced take, which is hard to get through on the internet because the, the overarching thing is that he we're paying too much for Gordon Hayward. He's getting paid to more than what he's worth. And I think it's only going to get worse as he gets into 32, 33 years old. The first two years, he has a chance to just be slightly overpaid. Um, Getting paid $30 million, and we're not really sure exactly what his role on the team is going to be. And he's on the other side of a couple injuries that have slowed him down, though not in the metrics. Um, I'm mostly excited, but I'm not exactly drinking the purple and teal Kool-Aid <laughs> that a lot of my colleagues are. Um, but I'm excited for the most part. I mean, I, I like making moves like this. You know, everybody thinks that the goal is a championship, and sure. But I think the Charlotte Hornets can be competitive with the 15 people they have on the roster right now. And what does competitive mean? Maybe a second round berth? I'd be happy with that. I, I would love to see some competitive uh, playoff basketball with the Hornets. But yes, this is an overpay. Yes, I don't think smart uh, front offices make these type of contracts. But I think that it puts the Hornets in a good position to be competitive next year, which is what I know we all want to see. I know that's a, a nuanced take, so it's <laughs> good and bad on each side. But 
Um, that's kind of how I feel about Gordon Hayward is that he he can put the, the ball in the basket. He can be efficient at the three-point line. He can he can make those playmaker moves that we need on this team, but he is going to be overpaid for the next four years. Yeah, I mean, I can understand that. I think, well, Chase, go ahead and say your piece first, and then I'll run through my whole spiel on the uh, signing. So, well, I definitely agree with Zach that, you know, typically signing a 30-year-old that has a injury history in the last three years to a $120 million contract is not what a smart front office does. But the (laughs) Charlotte Hornets must think that they were much closer to being in the playoffs, which I didn't really think of it this way, but being in the playoffs just means being the 10 seed next year, because if they make the playing Mm -hmm. game, theoretically, they could just win that and then be the eight seed. So really they just have to be good enough to be the 10 seed, which isn't ideal, but which they were last year. Exactly. Yeah, they were the 10 seed last year. So that's something to keep in mind. That's true. And uh, yeah. And so, I mean, they theoretically, would already be in that same exact position next year, assuming, you know, I mean, like the, some teams would probably move up and move down, but they would probably be around 10th to 11th, 12th in the East. But I mean, mm. I personally, I mean, I know we also all thought that they weren't going to be good enough necessarily to make like a playoff run next year. But like if Mitch Kupchak was looking at it, like we are not bad enough to get a top three pick again, or, you know, top five pick, I guess. And nor are we going to make a splash in 2021 with the free agency or free agent like pool and the money that we have, because I mean, getting Giannis to come to Charlotte or Kawhi or Paul George (laughs) is just a ridiculous proposition to just even think of. I know I Mitch Kupchak knows that that's not something he can do. So I guess, like you said in your article, making sense of the Gordon Hayward signing on at the hive.com, uh, it's like he's basically just making that splash that he theoretically would have made next summer now banking on the fact that Hayward is not going to be, you know, he'll, he'll be healthy going forward and he's not going to regress to a, too significant of a degree. But, and like uh, the money is like, obviously like that, that's like the problem. Cause it's not, it's not, it's mm-hmm. not the player. Like I think anybody would just look at him and be like, Oh, that, that kind of passing playmaking defense, rebounding, shooting, like that, that, that would fit perfectly in the Hornets. But the $120 million in is definitely not going to look good in four years. Like, <laughs> but it's not going to be a Nick Batum situation either, because like we have seen in the NBA, you can trade anybody. If you can trade John Wall or Russell Westbrook, you can trade Gordon Hayward in two years too. Like, so if, if it just goes absolutely terribly, they could most likely still get rid of him or they'll have a guy that, you know, I like, I, we could, people compare it to Nick Batum, but like, we have to be realistic. Gordon Hayward is way better than Nick Batum, especially if you're going to take the injuries out of consideration. Like Gordon, mm-hmm. he's just, he is an all-star at his peak. Yeah, Nick, former Nick was, sure. Exactly. Yeah. Like Nick was really good, especially like when he first signed that contract in Charlotte, people like to forget that he was a good in a Hornets uniform, but he was, but he was <laughs> he never is. what Gordon Hayward is. If he reaches that, ceiling again so like i completely understand it from mitch's perspective being like if we can just get our guy now we'll incrementally build towards success rather than just being really bad again next year and but also not being bad enough 
to get someone like Cade Cunningham or Jalen Green, who I personally thought they would have had a chance to get if they uh-huh. were bad. But if Mitch doesn't think that, I'm not going to fault him for going all in and going for it. A lot of small market teams don't have the balls to go for it. Milwaukee just grew those now <laughs> when Giannis is facing unrestricted free agency, and he has been an MVP caliber player for four years. So like, I'm not going to blame a small market team for going all in and pushing their chips in the table. MJ isn't cheap anymore, and I mean, we just got to ride with it now. If, if, if it doesn't work out, then that's, that's the risk you take. But if it does, I think a lot of people are going to look back and be like, that was one of the smartest moves that the Hornets have made really in their franchise history. Yeah. Ooh, so wow. one of the smartest moves they've made <laughs> in their franchise history. If it provided it works out. Like if he doesn't get oh, hurt okay, and play like, like near all-star level for a few years and then the Hornets continue to add young pieces, complimentary pieces, and then when he's older, you know, like PJ, Miles, Devontae, LaMelo, those guys can step up and be the theoretical max player that Hayward is. I think it'll be like a nice transition from being, you know, a good mid-level Eastern Conference team to like graduating into that upper tier conference later on in a a few years down the road. Yeah. So the ideal situation is, and we don't know how the Hayward contract is set up yet. It could be set to de-escalate where he's most expensive year one and cheapest year four. It depends on what else the Hornets do for the rest of this off season and what their plans are uh, going forward, how they want to structure it. But Hayward proved in Utah that he can flourish as the team's best player which I think he'll probably step in here. and be, I think it's pretty certain he'll step in here and be the team's best player this year. And then last year in Boston, he proved that he can be a super good, he can also function just as well as a fourth option on a team, which if everything goes to plan, if the young players grow and they get better, Hayward starts to slide back in his in terms of his level of usage. His usage is important, and it's seamless, like you said. He's still just as effective, but other players get the spotlight a little bit more. And there are not a whole lot of players, I think, in the league that you can say that about, which is why I think Hayward fits really well from a basketball perspective. As for his history and his age, um, I'm not worried about the injuries because the big risk from a major injury like his broken leg is that you come back too soon and you or you push yourself too much too soon and you put too much stress on your body that your body is not prepared to handle because it has gone through such a long time of low stress that you're not adapted. You're not equipped to handle the stresses and the rigors of an NBA season. He made it through that first season after the broken leg unscathed. The broken leg is just not an issue anymore. Like his leg is just a regular leg. Now I'm sure he has, it's different like structurally, but in terms of functionality, it's just a leg, not any more of a risk than anybody else's leg. Um, his injury problems last year were a broken hand and a neither of those things are like preventable in a sense. He just got his hand hit and he got his ankle. He stepped on a foot. Like that just happens when you play basketball and neither of those things have lingering effects. I guess technically twisted ankles do a little bit, but there's nothing to worry about. So I'm not worried about the injury history at all. Um, he's 30. Uh, most of the NBA's best players are 30 and I know he's not one of the NBA's best players, but I don't really see people talking about like, and again, this is not to compare him on this level, but in terms of just how age works in the NBA now, like Kawhi Leonard is going to be is about to turn 30. Paul George is 30. Uh, Kevin Durant is 32. Stephen Curry, 32. Like all these players are in their 30s and nobody talks about them as like on the downslope or anything like that. So I'm, I don't think all 30, those people that you said just said, though, I have to say Gordon Hayward's not even in there. Yeah, not even in their ballpark. When it comes no, to but 
talent <laughs> or wins or anything like that. And also, it's important to say that you said you guys both said injury history. This guy two months ago was missing important playoff games for the Boston Celtics. So I mean, it was just no an history. Ankle, it's a it's an injury present. I understand that, but <laughs> I'm just saying that he continues to have injuries. I understand the broken hands? That's something you can really prevent. And you know, ankle problems, ankle issues can be lingering. Yeah, and that's why I said that one's a little uh, different, just because like when you twist your ankle, you're kind of prone to doing it more often. But it's like basketball players; basketball players are prone to twisted ankles. Um, but the point, the whole point of that, like those those names, was that thirty does not signal like the downslope of a player's career, at like currently, um, especially good players. And not that Gordon Hayward's like an All NBA player, like the players are listed, but he's a good enough player where I think we don't need to be worried about what kind of player he is when he's 30 to 33 years old. I think he's still plenty good enough. He's not a player like John Wall or Russell Westbrook where he wins with athleticism. He is an athletic guy, but he's also just a good basketball player. And he's not going to stop becoming a good player. This is the highest caliber free agent that we've signed who isn't already over the hill. He's certainly yeah. climbing that hill. Um, <laughs> and some would say he might be at the crest, but, you know... Yeah. Last year, 17 points per game, 38% from the three-point line, uh, almost seven rebounds for assists. This guy can contribute and be a major player on a team. And I think he will be a major player for the Hornets to dismiss the $120 million. You know, it's a that's a massive, massive contract. People were talking about $90 million for three years for this guy. Well, that's four years for 120 is the same yearly same value yearly um the thing with the contract is that one gordon hayward was kind of seen as like one of the top free agents in this free agent class and he didn't get paid a whole lot more than like fred van leet fred van vliet and danilo gallinari it's like an extra nine million a season i think um not a huge difference for what i consider hayward a much better player than either of those two and gallinari is also older so I think given what the rest of the market established, I don't think it's much of an overpay, if an overpay at all. And either way, if that's the guy you want, and that's how much you have to pay to get him, it's not an overpay. Like, that's the required price to pay. Um, Especially if you're the Charlotte Hornets, right? Yeah. So, you, yeah. You so have to pay this amount if you're the Charlotte Hornets. Um, and that's why it's really not that bad of a signing, even if you're thinking about the $120 million contract. Yeah. And then to Chase's point from earlier, if we don't sign Hayward now and the Hornets lose a bunch of games again, you now have to convince two players next summer that for $30 million or so apiece, the cover one, past or present, and have no established players on their team, that this is the place that they should sign with. And there's a decent chance that one of those players next year, if he didn't opt out this season, was going to be Gordon Hayward. Just next summer instead of this summer. So. Because uh, we're not getting Kawhi Leonard, we're not getting Giannis Antetokounmpo, we're not getting Paul George. We're going to try to get like Gordon Hayward and, I don't know, Andre Drummond or something. Well, now we just got Gordon Hayward this year. And uh, we picked eighth in the draft. We were going to pick eighth in the draft this year until we got lucky in the lottery. Um, I think you could, I could pretty confidently say, without Gordon Hayward, if the team plays like they did at the end of last year, or most of last year, especially at the end, um, they're still better than the Cavs. They're better than the Pistons. They're better than the Knicks. They're better than the Bulls. They're better than the Thunder. They're probably better than the Kings. And they could be better 
then the Pelicans, Wizards, uh, Timberwolves, and submit the back end of the lottery. If you're going to pick in the back end of the lottery, you might as well pick 16th or 17th and try to make the playoffs. There's not much difference between picking 10th and picking 17th, you know? So I understand the reasoning. I was surprised we did it, and I wouldn't have done it, but I get what they're the whole point is the yeah I, I, I feel the exact same way i wouldn't have done it either and when i was reading the the tweet notification that i got like my jaw dropped but yeah it, it didn't take me long to be like i kind of get it and it's like i'm looking at even like the restricted free agent pool for the next season it are guys that are just not coming to the hornets like like jonathan isaac like laurie markinen you know, like uh, like Jared Allen, like they're we're gonna just be overpaying them yeah. for the exact same thing, and it's like theoretically that's like quote unquote better because they're younger, but it's like I don't think that puts us any closer to competing that next season by having you know Jonathan Isaac instead of Gordon Hayward or Jared Allen or something like they're they're it, it, like it's it, I I just under I understand them getting their guy and just being like we have him now yeah. we'll see what happens next summer. The the thing about the restricted free agent, so if you're going to sign an unrestricted free agent, which would be the more likely scenario to use cap space with, right? Uh, to make it to unrestricted free agency, you generally have to go through two contracts, which means you've been in the league for eight years or eight or nine years. Which so you're will put looking you, at 27, 29, yeah. that kind of thing, yeah. Yeah, Depending and then the only way to get were. yeah to get a younger player that like matches the timeline, so to speak you're generally going to have to sign restricted free agents like the guys Chase just mentioned. And the only way you get restricted free agents is to pay more than their current team is willing to keep them for. Like if we want to get Laurie Markkinen, we have to offer him so much money that the Bulls are like, nah, go ahead. We don't want to match that. And there's almost no way to do that without overpaying to deserve it. Because if you pay the right amount, the team's just going to match it and keep their guy. So... This and is, we've tried to get Gordon Haywood before three mm-hmm. years ago, four years Six years ago. ago. Six years <laughs> this ago. This 2014, wow. yeah. God, that's when we signed Lance Stevenson wrong. instead. Yeah. We uh, did <laughs> Close consolation for us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's also... Having someone in there who can take coach direction, who's a professional, who knows how to run plays, will only help the guys who are 22 and younger, mm-hmm. who I'm sure can also take coach direction, but this guy's been in there and he's been in the playoffs um that can only help your team it's a lot of money but at least we didn't spend that on an andre drummond or on um uh, thompson somebody who can't stretch the floor that kind of thing i'm glad yeah. we did it with tristan somebody thompson, who right? has an outside shot yeah tristan thompson yeah um so yeah and then to take a step back from all this off our like couch gm hats we take off our like roster analytic glasses and we just say, from a fan's perspective, the Hornets will be more fun to watch for 72 games next year. And that's like that's a win on a, some levels. Like That's important. Because we are, at the end, we're just fans, and this is our entertainment, and the Hornets just became more entertaining. So if we just want to look at it at that face value, what's there to complain about? Let, let, the, uh, let the, the front office make the roster decisions. And they can do it very poorly, but we can't do anything about it, so... Let's just, you know, we can just enjoy this for what it's worth. And that's the Hornets getting a good player that will make them more fun to watch and should help them win more games. Oh, well, that was that was a good podcast, guys. I guess there's nothing else to do. <laughs> yeah, I'll see you guys later. <laughs> well, is there anything else? We'll touch on this, 
the elements of the sign and trade and stuff on the other half of the break. Is there anything else you guys want to talk about uh, in regard to take a quick break and come back? Sounds good to me. All right, we'll take a break. Be right back with some other free agent stuff. Welcome back to the At The High Podcast. I'm still Jonathan. I'm still joined by Zach and Chase. A um, couple of the things happened. We'll go one by one um, in Hornets free agency. First, we got we have two departures um, on, I think it was like right away, early in free agency, Dwayne Bacon agreed to a two-year contract with the Orlando Magic. And as of Sunday evening, Billy Hernan Gomez signed a one-year, I think it was a one-year, a vet minimum deal with the New Orleans Pelicans. So neither of those two will be back. Um, I think we all expected this, right? Yeah, but especially Dwayne Bacon. Uh, yeah. He made it personally pretty clear that he didn't want to be on a hor- on the Hornets anymore, which is understandable because he didn't you know, have a role with the team anymore and all that. Time, yeah. <laughs> yeah, struggled a lot. I, w- I root for him. I hope he does well in Orlando. Um, I think there's ways in which he could contribute to a team uh, off the bench as a kind of small role. Um, But yeah, I I doubt we'll ever hear from these guys again. Hate to say it. They (laughs) weren't very impactful when they were at the Hornets, and I don't think they would be very impactful on their respective teams. I was going to make a joke about Dwayne Bacon um, being upset with his role that he did not earn, or that like not getting a role that he didn't earn as, as just another, you know, fitting along with the whole like, thinking he's better than he is the way he plays and stuff, but I'm not going to do it. Um, He does go play for Steve Clifford, who he got, and Chase, you tweeted this, he got a longer leash with Steve Clifford than he did under James Borrego. He he started a bunch as a rookie. Um, He was allowed to play through relative, for through pretty ineffective stretches um, for some reason, I guess, because he has good size for his position. So I guess Clifford is more likely to give him minutes than he got here. I just don't know if it's going to last very long because he hasn't really proven that he can play consistently well enough to earn those minutes. Yeah, like I and I don't know what their roster situation looks like exactly because they've, you know, yeah, they've, they've done they've a lot of stuff. Around, yeah, they've jumbled around quite a few players, but I think I mean I don't think that he's going to be. Uh, he's obviously not starting, but I think he'll be like probably their second or third guy off the bench for a wing because they have like. Isaac's hurt. They have Fournier. He might actually he might have a pre actually play a lot if they because they I lost, saw that they lost Wes Wundu. So I mean I, I yeah. also am am rooting for him to to do well. I he has like the scoring ability, obviously, to to stick in the NBA. It's just the other things kind of piecing themselves together on a consistent basis. And I guess him just being like a more consistent long range shooter that would you know keep him around in the league because he I mean we like we said he has every like physical tool. And he he looks the part of an NBA player certainly, but <laughs> yeah, he just hasn't hasn't put it together consistently. And he has had it in in stretches. So I mean, it, it which is another just sign that like there's something there, but it just hasn't came out yet. Hopefully, Steve Clifford can can bring it out of him because ho- I mean, not many guys get more than two contracts with the uh, the type of like per thirty six numbers that Dwayne has been putting up, unfortunately. But I really <laughs> like him, so I hope he does well. Yeah. The Magic, so apparently Fournier is angling to get traded. Um, and then, let's see, they also have Gary Clark they just brought back, I believe. From oh, Phoenix. yeah. Okay. And then they have James Ennis, who they also brought back. This is not a very inspiring list of players they have on the wing. No. Yeah, and, that's and, uh, he, might, he might play a lot. 
Yeah. Magic, another team, by the way, the Hornets could have been better than even without last year, but I don't know. It's just that roster just does not look good. They, they also uh, I they're, try, they're trying to get younger, too. So, like, the Magic mm-hmm. could just continue selling people off and then be one of the teams that drops from ahead of the Hornets to mm-hmm. behind them. Because if, yeah. they, if they trade Aaron Gordon, which I saw was a possibility, like, that's another team that drops out. Yeah. So, so Bacon could get minutes there. Um, Shout out DJ Augustine, by the way. Another yeah, three-year yeah. contract. Former Bobcat. Getting checks. He had a couple of years where he was awful after he left here. Um, I think in like Chicago and maybe in Indiana, I think it was. Yes, yes. He and was then, trash on the Pacers in 2K. I remember that. <laughs> and then, But then he, he got himself back on track, and he's been a good player now. And now he's going to try to win a championship with the Bucks. So uh, good for him. He might be like the quintessential backup point guard from the 2010 <laughs> decade, honestly. Like if you yeah. just pick an NBA backup, it's like it's either him or Ish Smith. Yeah. <laughs> and they both have played for a half a dozen teams. And... <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, Ish has played for like 10. Um, the other the other Hornet to leave is Billy Hernan Gomez signed with a minimum a minimum deal with the uh, Pelicans um, where he doesn't have a lot of competition for minutes at the center spot. So as of right now, um, he looks like he'll have a role as probably the third center like he was here. But um, I think he'll get some minutes there. So good for him. Also not surprised he left. There's just no room for him here, especially after the Hornets took two centers in the draft in the second round with uh, Vernon Carey and Nick Richards. But uh, it, I don't know if there's a lot to say about that. If you guys have anything to add about Vernon Gomez leaving? Um. I mean, he'll probably play a similar role to what he did last year, like just going yeah. as like a like a matchup guy when you know the guy that he has to guard isn't very good or fast or anything like that, and he can kind of just do his his thing underneath the hoop <laughs> where he just puts the ball in the basket every time he touches it, which I like. <laughs> I I feel like people have kind of like underrated him for that. He is like insanely like ta- like skilled and has so much touch around the rim for how big he is but it just doesn't extend very far away from the basket which <laughs> i think has hindered him a little bit but mm-hmm. yeah hopefully hopefully oh, he'll play yeah. a lot in oklahoma city it'd be fun to watch him next to zion zion would probably help him a lot yeah he's just per 36 numbers are pretty insane like in his charlotte career he averaged, double, right? yeah in the charlotte career he averaged 18 and a half points 14 rebounds per 36 why, like, why don't you think he got time? Why don't you think he carved out a spot on the team? Um, for one, he, the way he generates offense isn't reliable. Um, he's done it well in small doses, but it's something that's hard to replicate over a large sample size, especially if you do it against starters. Um, and then he's just, it's just as bad at defense. He can't move. Yeah. If your team signs two second round centers and that means there's no room for you on the team anymore, it's yeah, time for you to move on, you know. <laughs> yeah, and then he's they've got New Orleans has Steven Adams now, which is interesting. And then um they have Jackson Hayes that they drafted, I think, tenth overall in two thousand nineteen. So Billy's you know, it's not a star studded group of centers by any means. I'm sure Billy will get plenty of minutes over there. Um, so Thanks for the the good times, Billy. Good luck in New Orleans. Um, it'll be that will be a fun game, the Charlotte versus New Orleans between Zion and the Hornets. Hopefully, being fun, and then also like the the Billy, um, the reuniting with Billy because he seemed pretty well liked by his teammates. So I think that'll be kind of fun, a fun scene and all that stuff. Um, 
The last we, one. We decided to keep a center, too, didn't we? We did. Oh. That was where I was going. We have Luck one been our agent. most talented center. That we brought back. <laughs> and it is, once again, signing a free agent contract with the Charlotte Hornets. Now, I want to clarify the fact that I'm assuming we are not keeping him at the $17 million per year that we had you him at before. So? Are you <laughs> sure? Yeah. Did you say down to 12? Yeah. <laughs> uh, which means that we renounced his, we would have had to renounce his rights as a free agent and then re-sign him as an unrestricted free agent. So Biz, we signed him as an unrestricted free agent. So it's like the third time we've acquired Biz Biombo as a franchise. Um, That's so but, true. I didn't think about it like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I think if you re-sign a player with their bird rights, you have to give them a raise. That well, yeah, it you have, so it's well all, yeah, it's like an extension. Times. We yeah, the third time's the charm. <laughs> yeah, it worked so well the first two times. You really yeah. got to do it the third time. Man can't catch a basketball. I don't know what to tell you. He can't catch a pass. Um, but he has some a- value in defense. But he's going to be competing as, for a starting job on this team. Guys, am I wrong about that? It's it's either Cody or Biz at center. Yeah, if that's how it is. I mean, Biz started games last year with Cody coming off the bench. Yeah. So it's not. Yeah. Um, I I think that was more of a product of the team as a whole where it's a young team that's struggling to do much of anything and Biz gives them like a little bit of a gives them some help much needed help on the defensive end and rebounding cuz we struggled really bad with rebounding last year. And I think if the team as a whole is better, it makes more sense for Cody Zeller to start because Cody Zeller will be a better fit on both ends of the court because of his versatility, which is kind of the name of the game here now. Um, but I know it's very, it's kind of disappointing because people want to like Montrez Harrell or Miles Turner in a trade or Andre Drummond in a trade or uh, guys like that. And it's just like, nope, we just got biz back. But, and I, I said it earlier as a joke, but I do think it's more of a locker room signing and like defensive presence, more of an energy signing than a, this guy's going to put us over the top because I think everybody loves Biz, and Biz is you like the hardest worker. You don't think going to put us over the top? I don't <laughs> think so. Probably not, but he's a super hard worker. Uh, he's super well-liked. He's like the team rep for the Players Association, I think. Um, so he's a very, he's you know, the team sees him as a leader, and the players vote him as a leader. And so I think he's just, it's just a veteran presence type of thing. And he is a very good veteran veteran presence to keep around. I mean, the Heat keep signing Udonis Haslam to technically be a player on their roster. We can just do that with Biz. Who cares? I mean, yeah, the difference is the Heat have championships and we don't. But and well, they Biz, lost. Biz MacBiombo seems like a super nice guy. You know, he gives back to the community in Congo. Like you said, he's a he's a rep for the players' union, and the the team seems like he likes him a lot. So. Saying that he's not good at basketball doesn't give me any joy. But he's like, <laughs> if we're if we're serious about being competitive this year, Bismack Biombo and Cody Zeller cannot be our only answers at center. Um, and, and maybe you guys are right about the the second rounders; they may be able to contribute immediately. But if you do a Gordon Hayward signing like you did, the next two years, three years are critical to making sure that that's a success. And if you re-sign Bismack Biombo as your plan at center um, with Cody, it's just hard to see, you know, you being able to be competitive in the East. 
Um, that when they did that, I got worried. Though I, I think well, there's still moves to be made. There's still time. Yeah, I don't think signing as the center um, was plan A. I think it was because, I mean, there were reports that the Hornets offered money to Montrezl Harrell. He turned it down to take less money from the Lakers, which why would you do that? And um, I'm sure they've kicked the tires on other players out there. And they're just like, they settled. They settled on bringing Biz back. But that doesn't mean we're done. Um, we'll talk about some other possibilities. But the roster as it stands right now is at 15 players. And this is as of like 6.30ish on Sunday night. Uh, by the time you guys are listening to this, which will probably be on Monday, this all could be gone, what we're about to talk about. Conditions uh, on the ground may have changed. Yes. Um, <laughs> there could be some material changes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so Hornets have 15 players on the roster. Uh, I guess we could just go through and name them all. Um, or do you want to just kind of talk about the roster as a whole? I would like to talk about what you think the starting lineups are going to be. So I think... I think the four starters, and I think is for sure, are Cody Zeller, P.J. Washington, Gordon Hayward, Devontae Graham. And then Lamella Ball and Terry Rozier are the two, I think, that are going to be deciding the final spot. I think Terry Rozier has the leg up because he's proven that he can play well. Um, but if Lamella Ball has a P.J. Washington-esque preseason and training camp, I think he could take that spot. And then Miles Bridges would move to the bench in this scenario and possibly Terry Rozier. And then the main bench unit would be uh, either Ball or Rozier, Bridges, Biombo. Um, who am I missing? The, Martins. the Martins. And yeah. Yeah. And, and Malik. McDaniels, yeah. too, yeah. So, yeah. So it would be like Terry, Malik, Miles, Biz, and then the Martin Twins or McDaniels or Whatever I want to do, like based on the matchups and stuff like that. Uh, I don't know. Do you guys have any other objections to that? I think that's probably what it will be. Uh, I think it would be really interesting if they like kind of committed to the small ball thing and like started PJ at center and then Miles at the four, Hayward at three, Lamelo or Terry at the two, or I guess Lamelo mm -hmm. would be the one and Devonte would be the two if he starts, and then Devonte would be the one and Terry's the two if Terry starts. But yeah, either one of those two at at guard, but that would be like super, in, like definitely interesting for them to to do that because like we have been talked about, Cody and Biz are not the answer at center, and I like <laughs> I'm I'm not going to say Vernon Carey and Nick Richards can't contribute right away, but I don't think that the team is banking on that like at all, no. especially. Vernon, because Vernon is good offensively, but he can't really defend in the NBA yet. Nick Richards could at least come in and defend, and you know you can just tell him not really to touch the ball on offense. But <laughs> having PJ at center, you have five legitimate ball handlers, scorers, and shooters all over the floor. You have four guys that can throw a lob, and then Miles, who could catch said lob from the third <laughs> level and then dunk it through the rim. Like, there, there's so many different possibilities with the type of offense you would run with that because everybody, like, everybody's big, too. Like, the only guy that's small is Devontae. Lamelo's a 6'7", yes. two-guard. Yeah, and, like, and then Miles is only 6'6", six, six, but long arms, super strong. And then Hayward's just, Hayward's just a 6'8", big dude that's not going to get pushed around. And then PJ is strong, even if he would be 
slightly undersized in terms of like height and wingspan at the center. But as we we've we've talked about, there there are advantages to playing go, going small anyway. But I mean, if they could find one more guy, I guess, to be like a backup center and kind of help with the teams that would would crush small ball more so, like that that's a really like modern and i think that is that's how james borrego would ideally construct the team if it was up to him like i think i think he would want pj playing center because he always talks about how he wants playmakers all over the floor and that's what Mm -hmm. you have if you you start basically basically starting your five best players so i I mean that that would not be surprised it would not surprise me if that was the closing lineup within a week or two of the season yeah i think it would be (laughs) For whatever reason, NBA teams seem to be hesitant to start with lineups like that. Like the Clippers last year, a good example where they would start Ivica Zubac and he would play like 18 minutes a game as their starting center because they wanted Montrez to play all the minutes. Um, but I we would not would be, be giving su- up. So, like, I mean, he's six seven. He's not. He's not even six nine or something like that. Like a, who? PJ. Yeah. Yeah. That well, be, he, that, and he doesn't mine. rebound. It's not like he's a natural small guy who can also rebound like a, a PJ Tucker or something like that. Yeah. He struggled to rebound um, in the NBA and rebound still kind of matters a little bit to me, but I love the idea of playing small ball. I was actually thinking the opposite of maybe trying to play Gordon at shooting guard and being really <laughs> big. Um, and then that was uh, putting miles on the bench. This guy still in my, I, I still have faith that he can break out. Um, and I hate, you know, doing whatever. Do, I know we talked about not picking players to decrease the development of younger players. You can't think like that. But I would hate to see Miles Bridges go from getting into the starting lineup to coming back out again. But I think that's probably the most likely case is that Miles Bridges sits while Gordon plays. So, the thing that would happen with Miles sitting that I think is good is it would mean less time on the floor with PJ Washington where he has to play the three. And I think Miles Bridges is much better as a four. And so he'll get more minutes at the four, which I think will help in his development because it gets him on a spot on the floor where he's more comfortable and has more of an advantage um, than he has at the three. Um, I do think we'll also see probably some lineups with Hayward. We might even see some with Hayward at the four. And have PJ Hayward, uh, Ball, Rozier, Graham, just like peak offense, put the ball in the basket. That um, would fly up and down the court that lineup. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to see that happen. <laughs> I don't think we'll do it for extended like stretches. Yeah, it depends on the matchups, obviously. But I def, especially if we play teams like, especially if we played a team like the Rockets last year, and I'm sure a lot of other teams are going to mimic that um style that lineup style we'll definitely i'm sure we'll trot that out for parts of the season and it'll be a lot of fun to watch um i always think about the thunder lineup with uh dennis Schroeder, chris paul and shaky where they just shredded teams last year with their three guards out there um they obviously had steven adams and Danilo gallinari with those lineups most of the time who are bigger guys but still i'm just gonna i'm just gonna look at the three guard part and think the hornets can emulate that and you'd have um, to play an outside in game like PJ. You'd be wasting PJ if he's like backing somebody up in the yeah. something like that. You'd, you'd have to play him almost like an Anthony Davis where he gets the ball at the key or he gets the ball on the, in the corner wing and he can make some moves there, which would be cool. To, it would open up the court. But that, I think we're dreaming with that. I think they're going to start dirty. <laughs> yeah, I think I think now one thing that Borrego did uh, show is that he's willing to change 
the lineup as he sees fit. So whatever we see at the beginning of the year is not what we're going to see at the end of the year necessarily. So it could we could stay with Cody at the beginning of the year, and Vernon Carey could be starting by the end of the season. Who knows? Guys well, seem to Cody, buy into Cody that. Too. No, sorry. You can go ahead, Zach. No, no. Finish what you were going to say. I was just going to say Cody's not going to make it to the end of the year because he's going to get hurt. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is, that's definitely true. And, uh, but, Honestly, we'll get to that, but he might not make it to the beginning of the year. But what were you going to say first, Chase? Like, I, I think that the guys on the team have, like, kind of bought into that. Like, I don't – like. I don't know for sure because obviously I don't personally know any of these guys, but like none of them seem to ever have been upset with their role on the team mm-hmm. at any point since Borrego has taken over. And like, like Devonte was going off for you know a few weeks before he got put into the lineup. He never cared, you know. I'm sure Terry Rozier wants to start, but like if I don't think that he would be that opposed to not starting if Borrego laid it out for him and was like, "Listen, man." you're going to get a lot of goddamn shots up if you come off the bench. And like we, that's exactly what we want you to do. Like That's how we think your skill set is going to be maximized. I don't think that it would be that hard to get, to get him to do that. And like, like we've said with Miles, Miles has gone in and out of the lineup already. So if Borazio can lay it out for him too and be like, listen, you know, we know you and PJ are friends, but you guys kind of play the same position. We want to stagger your minutes, and then both of you can put up better numbers which is you know good for the team and good for them personally so i don't think i think it, the guys have like a pretty solid grasp on what borrego is yeah kind of trying to do with the roster so far the the big name that the big thing that i come back to with that is that uh so billy arna gomez when he was with new york um wanted out because he didn't like his role and obviously you have to factor that it's the knicks but he wanted out because he didn't like his role he came here he finished the season under clifford and then with Borrego, played less, played fewer minutes than he did in New York, and was not, did not ever complain, or even you couldn't. There was never any indication that he was unhappy with his role. No, he was like the happiest guy on earth, basically. Like that, yeah. You would never have been like, oh, Billy's Billy's upset with Coach Borrego for not playing. Him. Yeah. So I think, like you said, there is there is merit to the idea that the players that bought into Borrego's idea. Because he rotates the players through, the players that are playing well get more minutes. The players that aren't playing more well, uh, aren't playing well aren't immediately yanked, but you know things are adjusted. Um, so I think, and they love to play each other, play with each other. Last yeah. year, mm-hmm. it's, it's why it's important to watch the games because, like, even Rogier would be cheering on Devante from the bench sometimes. Mm-hmm. He'd be jumping up and down, and they were only like kind. Of- borderline competitive with some of these games but they still really like to play with each other yeah and that's what i'm not afraid of bringing gordon hayward word into that because i think he's also a team-minded person mm-hmm. the only thing that you got to worry about a little bit this happened with the celtics is that if you're taking minutes away from someone like a jalen brown and in this case it might be a miles bridges and you're not living up to what we need you to live up to that that there's always maybe some scratch about you know, well, why is he getting so many minutes if he's not, if this is a meritocracy and yeah. everybody who's playing good should be playing? As long as we stick to that game script, I think we should be good. Well, if anything, Borrego proved last year, uh, the value of your contract will not determine your playing time with Nick Batum um, and Bisbeak Biombo to an extent. Because those were the two highest paid players on the team last year. And they were by far the most featured players on the team. And they they didn't even try to get any yeah. establish any trade value for MKG at yeah, all. Yeah. Like they just bought him out, and we're like, all right, just go. <laughs> what you can do. Yeah, I completely I forgot about completely forgot about that guy. Sorry, MKG. Um, 
So real quick. <laughs> <I'm sorry>. uh, <laughs> yeah, I think he just signed somewhere. I don't so, remember. Um, I will look that up while I uh, set the table for this. Um, this recording, which is the, you know, the, the underlying preface, all this, uh, the Hornets haven't officially announced that they signed Gordon Hayward and they were allowed to do so as of noon on Sunday, which uh, is also paired up with the reports that the Hornets and the Celtics are still talking over the details of a potential sign and trade means that there might be more coming. Um, if the Hornets can work something out with the Celtics and potentially a third team, don't know who it would be, but there is more to come. Um, the thing about the sign and trade and Chase and I talked about this before the show, Zach, for you got here. That's so fun to me is that the Hornets getting <laughs> the Hornets <laughs> getting Gordon Hayward to, to agree to sign here outright completely ruins Danny Ainge's um, roster, not ruins his roster construction, but just throws a huge wrench into all of his offseason plans because the Celtics are over the cap regardless of what happens. So Gordon Hayward leaving is just a very good player just gone, and it opens up nothing for them. So the only way the Celtics can rectify that is to try to get into the sign-and-trade business but they have zero leverage because, again, the Hornets can sign Gordon Hayward by themselves. So they can ask for whatever they want from Danny Ainge and the Celtics. And if the Celtics say no, the Hornets can just leave. They can just walk away from the negotiations. And I love putting Danny Ainge in that situation because it always seems like he somehow ends up on the other end of that. Yes, and don't be too quick if we agree to a sign and trade and throw in a, you know, I'm putting Malik Monk's name out there, but I'm sure it won't be Malik Monk. And then Malik Monk starts hitting threes for the Celtics. You know, Danny <laughs> Ainge has that kind of voodoo. Um, yeah. And so any sign and trade that involves Gordon Hayward uh, will involve the Hornets getting something useful back because they have no reason to help otherwise. Um, the Celtics could just ask for, the Hornets for this trade for make a trade exception, which real quick trade exceptions are if you send out more money than you get back, you create a trade exception for that difference. That trade exception can be treated as player salary in a trade. So in this case, the Celtics give the Hornets uh, Gordon Hayward for nothing and create a big like $30 million trade exception and then be able to trade that for a player with a $30 million contract. That's kind of convoluted. I think what's more likely is we, uh, they, the two teams try to involve a third team and Hayward signs with the Celtics, gets traded here, and then we also we give up somebody like Rozier or Zeller or a draft pick or something and get another player back that might fit the team. Um, Rozier has been linked with the Clippers a little bit. It's worthwhile, but that's just kind of what's, I think, still being discussed behind the scenes. And Terry Rozier did not help with those rumors by posting a video of somebody with with uh, suitcases saying sometimes they just ship you out and him and somebody else going to take their packed luggage to a courier van. And unfollowing the Hornets on Instagram. And unfollow- <laughs> unfollowing the Hornets on Instagram. So something is afoot, it appears. But I've, sometimes I think NBA players do that on purpose in the offseason just to mess with people. Oh, for sure. Um, the other day, or like probably a week ago now, Mikhail Bridges just tweeted eye emojis just for no reason. It was very. <laughs> I, I would do that. I would do that all the time if I was a player, though. Like all the time. 
there was um Blake Griffin did that last year. He was he was on a podcast and they asked him like, "Hey, can you tweet the eye emojis tomorrow?" Um, or can you tweet the eye emojis and then nobody will know what you're talking about and then they'll listen to this podcast and see what we do. And so Blake Griffin tweeted the eye emojis and it blew up. <laughs> like people were quote tweeting it and like theorizing what was going on. It was just like, nah, they just said, hey, tweet the eyes emoji. So if so. the sign and trade doesn't happen, we um, get Gordon Hayward by stretching Nicholas Batum's contract, yes. which means for the next three years and $9 million, we will continue to pay this man, which is fine in order to, to make the contract happen. I still think it's a good ad, but I was really hoping not to have to talk about Batum. And in some way, Jonathan, you will bring him up and w- with the, the contract being stretched out for the next three years, for sure. Yeah, well, <laughs> he'll be gone, so no need to talk about him. Um, I think a lot we'll of people... We'll still have $9 million to pay him. <laughs> yeah, well, for what... So, it'll be on the cap. I don't know exactly if the team has to pay it out that way, or if the team still pays him the money agreed to in the like contract. In yeah, it's yeah. like um, how signing bonuses and guarantee money work in the NFL, where it'll like Jordan will still have to pay $27 million to Nick Batum this year, but for salary cap purposes, it's spread out over three years. But hit, I, yeah. a lot of people are wary of that $9 million in dead cap. Um, it's not uncommon. A lot of teams have value, like, wave and stretch players of similar values also um so it's not that much money in that respect and also it doesn't prevent the hornets from doing anything like they'll still be able to have 30 35 million dollars in cap space next summer um that nine million dollars shouldn't get in the way of anything and if they do get another big acquisition it'll put them over the cap anyway and so that nine million dollars is just when if it wants to get over the cap which every decent team is up over the cap um that mine nine million dollars is completely negligible it doesn't matter it won't affect anything it ain't my so, nine million dollars either it's michael jordan's yeah, if you, are, yeah, if you want you to spend that that's all on him and like yeah. like 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 you said there are a lot more teams that have that on the books and we'd think like i think the pistons are still paying josh smith right now from like <laughs> I, four or five years ago because yeah because i think they, they waived him with two years left on his deal and if you wave and stretch a player with two years left on their deal you spread out over five years yeah, and, uh, like, oh, another sport, but the New York Mets are paying Bobby Bonilla 20 years ago. <laughs> and that, that's like literally the same. They literally wave and stretched Bobby Bonilla over the course of like 25 years. Basically, <laughs> It's not going to end up that bad. So that that no. that much is fine. Uh, I don't nine million dollars isn't a lot like 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 you said, the Hornets, the way they were going to build their team, if they were going to come down to where they really needed nine million dollars that badly, they probably messed up on some of the steps before that. Like I don't know yeah. if it, if it gets to that point, then <laughs> nothing, nothing has really gone to plan anyway. So that's not really that's it's just so far out of their control at that point. I don't. I would yeah. prefer to wave and stretch him. Like if they can send Nick to, I don't even know what what team would have the cap to do. I mean, they, they've been connected to the Clippers with Terry, but I don't think they're going to trade Terry. But because the Clippers you, don't have anything to give back for Terry, like like literally nothing at all. Yeah, they, they have no, they gave no up all good their young picks. players. Yeah, all the exactly. Are Paul George, and then the only appealing player is like Ivica Zubac, who I talked about earlier, but he's also just kind of eh, yeah. And, you, and they have to well. Him, yeah, he doesn't. Yeah, he doesn't do anything that well. 
I don't think they want to give him up either. Uh, Luke Kennard, they just got, he's the only guy the Hornets would even real, relatively want. And they don't have enough salary to send out either unless they're trading as Kawhi. Um, all yeah. our arms are open for that one, but I don't think it's going to happen. <laughs> so, <laughs> Jimmy, but Zubac, really funny. Zubac on this team could make a difference. You know, That's, having yeah. Zubac at, at center on this team could make a difference, though. I don't think that the numbers match up. Uh, and But it would be really funny. If we come down to it and we just sign and trade, they just sign and trade Gordon Hayward for a straight up swap with Nick Batum. I could see that, honestly, because the Celtics could just flip him. They could send him to Sacramento for Bogdan Bogdanovich as like salary filler or something. Yeah, or they could just be like, we just need somebody to like, we just need a worse version of Gordon Hayward because we have no other way to replace Gordon Hayward. Right, you're going to pay him $34 million this year anyway, so why not just be like, all right, it's $27 million now, and it's also Nick Batum instead of Gordon Hayward. Yeah, and it's just one year, so like, there's no commitment to it. And that would be so funny, because it would completely cancel out us signing and trading Kimball Walker for Terry Rozier. If wow. Sign and trade yeah. Gordon Hayward for Nicholas Batum. <laughs> that would be the greatest long con by Mitch Kupchak <laughs> in the history of the world. That would be so funny. Yeah, oh, that would be awesome. I hope that's how it works out now. Because <laughs> you know it, the optics of it, just like with Rozier and Kimba, where it looked like we traded Kimba for Rozier, but it was really just a mechanism to make contract, like to make money work and make money fit. Right. And it'd be the same situation here, where the Celtics are like, and this, uh, it, it is does make sense. Is we could either lose Gordon Hayward for absolutely nothing, or we could bring in a wing defender that can play some spot minutes and knock down some outside shots. We might as well just bring in Batum. Whose contract is ending. Yeah, whose contract is up at the end of the year anyway, and we could potentially flip him to another team. So that's what I'm rooting for. Plus, it saves the Hornets that $9 million, which I just went through saying it's inconsequential, but it's better (laughs) if you don't pay it. (laughs) It is better to not have to pay it. Um, So that's what I'm rooting for, because that would just be so great to to just to do that to Danny Ainge and the Celtics after they stole Kemba Walker from us through a lot of our own fault, but still. Exciting uh, stuff, though. The the end of the last podcast, we talked about, hey, it'd be nice if they were involved or if they did something. They certainly made the (laughs) biggest splash in free agency so far. Yep. Yeah, Gordon Hayward is the most expensive free agent sign so far and uh, of, like, the the places, depending on where you look, when they rank, you know, top available free agents, he's the most uh, highly sought-after one so far to have signed it with the team. So, um. I think the Hornets took a big step in establishing themselves as a place that people want to come to, which is a bit, which is important because this is real life. And these are people that, you know, need to show, need to see that this organization like actually wants to win. And so uh, I think, I think, so do we all agree for right now? We feel okay about this. Like we feel pretty good about it and we're interested to see where this goes. Definitely. Definitely. Okay. Very okay. And <laughs> Interested is, yeah. I think, if nothing else, I think we're all interested. Yeah, Zach. we're we're interested. They they well overpaid this guy, but I'm really <laughs> excited to see what he can do on the team. I think mm-hmm. it could crash and burn like crazy. I really, really do. But, hey, let's see it crash and burn, dude. It's also, uh, that can also be entertaining. Hey, you got, you hey. Know. also, if it does crash and burn and the Hornets suck, there's a high traffic everybody wanted to begin with. There it is. And now we're back to square one. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and that's, we'll bring it full circle. And I think we'll wrap it up there. 
Um, so thanks everybody for li- to listening to that dive podcast. Uh, surely more things will be happening soon. Training camp starts in eight days. Um, so yeah, we'll be back in the near future when there's more stuff to talk about. So get thanks again for listening. We'll see you guys on the next episode. Peace out. See ya.